0: Hello, passionate listeners, welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you like this episode, please do subscribe. I've got a very exciting guest on the show today, and this is the second time he's been on, David Ditchfield. In 2016, David Ditchfield was dragged under a speeding train in a freak accident. As the surgeons fought to save him, he had a profound NDE, or near-death experience. David later realised that he had acquired astonishing new abilities. He found he could now create dramatic paintings of what he had seen in the afterlife, compose classical music, having never received any formal training. His debut symphony was premiered at the sell-out orchestral concert to a standing ovation. David has since composed further classical works and continues to paint and compose in Cambridge, UK, and he has a new book called Shine On, which we want to discuss as well. David is an artist, composer, and author. This is his story, and this is his passion. David, welcome to Passion Harvest, or welcome back to, oh, to, yeah, to Passion Harvest. To you back. <laughs> Good to see you again. <laughs> um, and you've talked about this in our, I guess we can call it episode one or part one, mm-hmm. but I guess everyone who hasn't potentially listened to it would like to hear about your accident and your near death experience if you wouldn't mind sure. sharing that with the audience
1: not at all yeah um okay well basically um the accident that i had was quite it was a freak accident um i was seeing a, a friend off at the rail station uh in in cambridgeshire and um I helped her onto the onto the carriage with, with her bags and gave her a hug and a kiss goodbye. Then we heard the buzzers go for the doors to close. So as I stepped back, my coat got trapped in the automatic closing doors and they just slammed to and I couldn't pull it free. Um, yeah, I tried everything, looked for a guard, nobody there, banged on the side of the doors, nothing happened. So, um, yeah, it was at that point we looked at each other through the through the glass doors, and I could see in her eyes that she she was terrified. And then I was, and I thought, you know, this is it. I'm I'm probably going to die at this point because I couldn't see myself being pulled free uh, at all. And so the, the engine started to rev up. I was dragged along the platform at great speed. Those trains pull out really fast. You don't actually realize how fast they pull out, you know. Not when you're inside you're, it. Exactly. You don't. You don't think about it. You just sat there, you know, opening up your laptop or whatever, or your phone. Whereas when you're on the outside outside of a train, um, it's incredible speed. And uh, so I lost my footing and then I got dragged along the platform and then I got sucked between the platform edge on the train itself and went under. And uh, I was just... It was like being pulled into this very violent machine. I was just tossed around relentlessly and uh, fully conscious throughout the whole thing. So it was uh, quite an ordeal, to say the very least. Um, I then found myself lying face down uh, in between the tracks as the train was still continuing on at great speed. Uh, So I just kept my head down and my nose was right into this oily gravel. But um, Eventually, the train passed on. And then it seemed to disappear off into the distance, and uh, i couldn 't believe that I was alive that i 'd survived it i really didn 't think I was going to so the emergency guys arrived really quite quick um, there was a ha- There was a hospital just around the corner, so um like a small hospital, so they they got there and they some, they cut through my clothing and somehow got me onto a a stretcher and then onto the platform, which is about sort of six or seven foot up, you know and um they the guys got me into the back of the ambulance and they said look there's a hospital that a lot further away but i think that that's the one that's going to save your life Are you, can you do that and i said yeah let's go so we hung on and off we went speeding down the highway and you're still conscious and,
0: this whole time
1: yeah exactly Gosh. i was still conscious you know um you know i can remember you know, just chatting to this doctor, and he was trying to keep me calm, and I was going, "Yeah, that's you know, let us go." And I remember the you know the sensation of the the um, you know speeding down this highway uh, at great speed with the, with the siren going, and thinking to myself, "Wow, you always fear that point, don't you? When you hear ambulances going by, you think, Oh, that could be me one of these days.'" And I thought, "Well, my day's arrived, and here I am." But um, we arrived at the hospital, and the all the the guys were already waiting for me there there was like a whole team of medics and nurses and stuff um just in this semicircle as you like if you like sort of stood inside the emergency departments I remember and they wheeled me in and I just lay there and I could hear all this sort of um very high tense sort of um atmosphere going on there was I I could tell they were basically trying to save my life and I knew it so I knew that I it wasn't all over yet that I that you know that I I'd lost a lot of blood. My left arm had been said that, that I'd seen that, you know, and that was pretty nasty. So um, I think, you know, that was a bit of a danger, the amount of blood I was losing. Um, then my family turned up. They, they were there really quick. They they'd arrived in the hospital, you know, because my friend Anna uh, on, on the train had immediately called my sister in a state of panic saying, um, David's gone under a train. <laughs> It's kind of like what you know, but they were there, you know, and so that was great to see them. It was like really comforting, you know, just to see my mother, my mother's face, you know, in tears. Bless her. Um, so it, it was pretty much at that point that I, I'd, um, I, that I left my body. I left all all the pain and the agony and the, and the high tension of the hospital, and and I moved on to beautiful realm which was like very calm and relaxing um it was i suppose the best way to describe it to start off with was it was a, like, it felt like a darkened room but when i say a darkened room i mean in a, a very calm and relaxing darkness not a sort of you know like a an uncomfortable darkness and uh, it's just incredible right. how
0: your voice has changed so when you were talking about the accident I was feeling you know I, I could feel your emotions and and now when you're talking about this it's just much happier and peaceful and beautiful there's such a in vibration um ah. I know I know you've done this a lot and talked about this a lot but I can really connect with that energy of that so it's Please go on, but it's just really interesting. No,
1: thanks for saying that. So that it's really yeah. the, the
0: tone of your voice, the energies, everything's completely different now.
1: Well, I I'm reliving it, obviously. You know, I do every time. I just it's and uh, Is it hard so to
0: talk about it?
1: The it's accident? it's not really hard. It's it's um it's almost like therapeutic if mm. if you like. You know, it's um you know it, it's 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 never gonna be something that that becomes a matter of a fact at all the whole accident you know because it was it was an incredible ordeal that i don't think the mind and body should go through (laughs) to be honest with you You know it's it's uh yeah yeah but um
0: so please go on david i'm so sorry i just had to i just wanted to um recognize that (laughs) because it was so beautiful the difference in tone and energy
1: yeah yeah well um I guess that's because, as I say, I'm re- I'm going through it myself. I'm reliving it mm. and um, and and feeling it, you know? And so, anyway, so the first thing I noticed was around me were these pulsating colours. Um, they were like they were like orbs of light that were just slowly pulsating, you know. And they were all beautiful colours of oranges and greens and yellows. And I felt very calmed by these lights and comforted because I knew pretty much straight away at that point that that I hadn't survived. I felt anyway, I thought, right, I didn't survive it. I thought this is it. I'm dead. This is the other side. Um, But I didn't resist. I didn't try and fight it. I didn't say, no, I want to go back. Um, It's not that I wanted to, to die, but I, but I felt so accepting of the whole experience that I was, I was quite happy to be there. Um, So I, I, sort of looked around to get my bearings if you like to see what was going on and I looked the first thing I noticed I was I was no longer laid on a hospital trolley I was now on a huge slate rock and it was like a big sort of like medieval sort of altar if you like and and I thought wow this is incredible and I noticed I was no longer clothed but it didn't matter because it's it felt incredibly comfortable to lay on this rock and but I was covered in like a blue sort of sheet and it was like a satin sort of silky texture to it and I felt very comforted by this sheet and um, very comforted by the whole scenario so I just kind of laid my head back and as I did at that point I three grids of white light sort of started to close in on me and as I looked into that light and I found that I couldn't take my gaze away because the light was like it was a pure bright light that, that was like healing me i felt like a healing energy and a comforting healing and it's interesting because it it was so bright that normally you know i wouldn't be able to look into that kind of intensity Mm. you know it's like sunlight or very bright fluorescent but i could do this and i couldn't stop looking at it and and then as as i lay there absorbing all this energy i suddenly felt a presence i felt like somebody just turned up and uh, so I, I lifted my head slightly and looked and there was, there was a person stood at my feet uh, like a, a androgynous being of light. I call it because um, this person was very beautiful, very like beautiful, pure white blondish hair and the skin that was just like radiating light from within. And the expression on this, on this person's face was very familiar. Like I'd known this person throughout the whole of my life um, and, and, beyond if you like and um i thought who are you i know you really well don't i but but why are you here and and i felt protected as well i felt this person was like guarding me and just smiling over me saying it's okay you know you're 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 safe basically um so the interesting thing was as well that this being was wearing just like a very contemporary black t-shirt like the kind of thing that i would wear myself (laughs) and uh and so there was nothing too ethereal about it at all no so white was, sheets or no exactly <laughs> yeah so <laughs> um, so anyway i i i laid my head back again and 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 uh, i closed my eyes this time and and i suddenly felt that there was an, uh, two more beings had, uh, had, had arrived near the side of me so i felt the presence of uh, two more people so i looked and there they were and were two female forms this time and to my right, there was a, there was a, a young girl sort of with um, some sort of dark brown hair wearing, a, a, a disc, again, a very contemporary brown dress. And um, and then to my left, the, there was a girl and she was more Asian, Indian, American Indian um, in form and, and, and beauty. And, and she was wearing more of a traditional dress. And uh, they both had their hands stretched out over my body and their hands were just gently healing me and and the energy that was coming from those hands was just so powerful and it was similar to the light and I suddenly thought what is this energy and it just felt like it was, it was an energy of, of love very very strong and powerful love unconditional love you know and it was just running through the, every single part of my body and I just felt so oh at, at one uh, which was great because up until the whole accident so many things have been going wrong in my life and I've been going through so much uh you know trauma that it was just brilliant to, to be in this in this peace and this realm of of love um and then I started thinking about my family and I thought well what about my family they're going to be completely torn apart now because they were already pretty distraught seeing me what had just happened and so I figured they're going to be looking over my dead body. So I thought I'd better check on them. So I kind of lifted my head and looked over the, over my left-hand shoulder, if you like, of, of this huge rock. And, I, and as I looked down, hoping to see them, um, I didn't see them at all. But what I did see was this beautiful waterfall of stars. It was like a huge kind of like curve of stars, the size of Niagara Falls, you know, and... Stars were just cascading over the edge um, with, with sparkle, p- pure white light again. And uh, then stars were falling through the middle as well, like shooting stars. And I, as I looked down, I was looking into uh, another galaxy. Then I looked further and then I'd see uh, yet more galaxies. And then into infinity and then into lots of beautiful colors. So it was a, a very spectacular sight, very awe-inspiring. And I suddenly thought, wow, I'm, I'm not in a small, darkened room at all. I'm actually in the universe itself. And, and it was just like a wonderful feeling to actually be there. You know, it was just, uh, it felt great. Um,
0: May- amazing. I actually had um, someone contact me today to say all the, you know, all these near-death experience people that you interview, all these universal truths that they experience, it's it's so hard. I, 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 it's so hard to describe in words, but you're doing a fantastic job. I guess words don't do your the feelings that you had justice, though. You talk about the unconditional love and the expansiveness of the universe, but nothing I yeah. guess could be the same as your emotive experiences
1: yeah that's that's very true and I, and I try all the time to try and get it across as as best as possible because obviously it's it's not something that you know we normally experience here it's it's a different realm it's it's totally real it's 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 like it's as real as you and I are talking now but it's a different realm it's a different it's a different energy and and everything that you feel and you see is just so more intuitive and it's it's not like so so it's very hard to put that across mm. but yeah I hope you're doing I am, a great but... job by
0: the way <laughs> you are <laughs> thank
1: you <laughs> um so anyway i i remember then sort of um a bit further on i was lying down again uh, f- uh, feeling relaxed and and i suddenly felt the energy around me had suddenly sort of turned up tenfold if you like it was like this i thought wow this energy of love has now got very intensified And I opened my eyes and just ahead of my feet was this huge tunnel of white light that was just like closing in towards me. And this tunnel of white light was just like surrounded by all these very powerful flames that were just circulating around. And again, it wasn't frightening to look at. It wasn't like, Oh my goodness, what is this? And all those flames are really terrifying. They look really beautiful and uh, awe-inspiring. And the light that was coming from this tunnel again it was this pure white light but it was just like a huge ball of it so it was like very intensified and I felt the energy coming from this was just by now every single molecule of my body was almost like vibrating if you like with this energy of love and I I knew because a lot of the stuff that was coming through was all telepathy Mm -hmm. and then I was being told at this point this is God this is the source of all creation this is where uh, it all starts it's not you know, some guy Um, You know, in the sky with with a beard, like we see on the ceiling of the Vatican, or or whatever gods that we 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 choose to believe in. It's not in human form. It's this huge ball of or tunnel of white light. So that that would lead
0: to God, or sorry, lead to Source, lead to Creator.
1: It, well, I th- I figured that this was it. I, this was that this was it. This is this was the source of all creation. This actual tunnel of white light is right. the source of all creation. So that's how I felt. So I don't know whether yeah, you could be right because I know that some people talk about when they have NDEs that they enter the tunnel and they go through it. But um, that wasn't to be for me. I didn't actually enter the tunnel or go through it because um, it was pretty much at that point that I came crashing back down to earth into my body. And I was back in the hospital and all the pain suddenly came rushing right through my body again. And uh, this time the lights were too, too much to gaze into above my head and, and the noise was just on, on overkill. It was just, uh, so it was quite a, it was quite a a shock to come back. But um, in saying that most people say to me, Oh, you must have been really, really disappointed that, that you'd come back. That, Interestingly enough, I wasn't because I was so filled with excitement and joy, and I still felt like I was there. I was still for quite some time. I felt like I, you know, I'd still got a cord attached to me that was part that was in that energy, and so it was fine. All I could feel was like, wow, I've got to tell everybody about this.
0: (laughs) Euphoria, almost.
1: Yeah. Even though you, you,
0: so you consciously did not choose to return to the, the physical plane.
1: No, no, I didn't make the decision. I didn't make the choice to come back. I, I you know, as time's gone on, you know, I've I I still get lots of intuition coming through and lots of messages, and and I realised that they decided that, that it was right for me to come back at that point. I'd seen enough. I'd I'd gained enough knowledge, and uh, because at first I thought, why did they send me back? Why did I? what's what's my quest basically what is my i felt like i got a task i thought well i've sent me back for a reason what is it because mm. also interestingly enough i didn't know anything about near-death experiences at all i'd never heard of them so i figured and not arrogantly but i figured that i was the only person that this had happened to and i thought <laughs> i've got to tell the world about this because you know this is this is it this is remarkable this is in the afterlife <laughs> and um yeah so um so it was pretty much at that stage, they they whirled me into, into theatre pretty much after that. And I was under, uh, you know, for about eight hours while they operated on me. So, um, it, yeah.
0: <laughs> and then, you, you, I guess you came to after the operation, were you still in somewhat a euphoric state?
1: I was in a very mixed state, actually, because I was, I was, uh, they'd given me my own room in the hospital, which was, which was great, you know? <laughs> uh, obviously because of the severity of my my injuries. But um, and I remember just lying, that I'd woken in the middle of the night, you know, it was about two or three in the morning or whatever, and uh, I was there with just this little machine, like an R2-D2 machine, bleeping next to me. And, and I was just thinking, part of me was was thinking about what had just happened, you know, my, my physical and mental uh, state was was dealing with the the that accident you know that Mm. really horrific accident and I was in shock over that but it was completely overrided I would say by the feeling of the euphoria that what had just happened and all I could think was I've got to tell people about this how am I going to record this and I I was scared at that point I was going to lose it and forget the details and stuff so I thought, I've got to, I'm have got. i going to do a painting. I'd never done anything like this before, but I thought, I'm going to do a huge painting. It's got to be like a Michelangelo style, you know, <laughs> sort of Renaissance painting. You know, it's got to be powerful and big because it's a big story, you know. And so I decided that there and then I was going to do it. And uh, in fact, I remember my sister coming in the very next day, you know, and she was there that evening and we were both chatting very quietly because I couldn't move. I was just laying in this bed. And, and she said as she was leaving, is there anything I can get you? And I said, yeah, can you get me a, a small sketch pad and a pencil? Because I wanted to start sketching what I was going to paint, you know. And she went, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so that was it. So I, I got the nurses to prop me up in bed, I remember, the next day. And I I did this very faint sketch. I still got it. And you you can barely see what's going on. But it's it's basically the outlines for the very first painting that I did. So, yeah. So it started from that point on.
0: And your paintings are incredible, by the way. You also mentioned you were worried that you might forget or not remember all of the NDE experiences that you had. And you tell them so vividly um, as if they were only yesterday. Did you write down your experiences or record them in some way? In the hospital, so you wouldn't forget.
1: I didn't write write it down actually, no, because actually I'm dyslexic, so uh, it's it takes me forever to sort of start. And I, and I was I was very weak as well, so it wasn't easy for me to sort of start writing stuff down. I was just, you know, I, I was just. I figured by that point, I knew once I'd done that sketch that that was enough for me to 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 have there. And I I did realize that throughout the, the days while I was there that I wasn't forgetting any single part of it. And I still haven't, you know, because it's, it's, it's such a huge thing to happen that it, that it stays with you, you know, and, yeah. and, and other people have had them as well. You know, they say the same thing, you know, that, that you don't forget any of it. It's because it's like, unlike a, you know, because obviously some people are turn man and said, Oh, you know, are you sure it wasn't medication and uh, like a sort of, a, or you were in dream state. I said, no, because with dream state, dreams are more like chaotic and um, you know, and sort of surreal, and that they change over time. You know, if I'd had a dream that far back, it would have, uh, the whole tale would have twisted throughout time. But whereas with this, it's an, uh, a a near death experience is ultra real, and you don't forget it and, it, and it's the the details remain the same, and they they stay with you very permanently and very strongly.
0: Well, it certainly was very. I mean, aside from being a spiritually transformative experience, it was definitely like life changing. Mm. I, I guess you have to wonder if you had the accident and you didn't have the near death experience, it you'd be a very different David.
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. Because I certainly was before. Um, you know, I was um. As I say, I was just dyslexic, so, so I was struggling to find work throughout most of my, my time because uh, you know it, I couldn't get in, I got no academic qualifications from school. So I was picking up mainly manual laboring work, uh, uh, which is fine. I met some great people, but I realized I wasn't any good at that. So it was, <laughs> life was just a constant struggle. I thought, you know, I was looking around at these guys and I was thinking, wow, you know, they've just completed a, a whole wall or whatever you know I'm on brick number three <laughs> and uh and so so it's so it, which is not you know I'm laughing about it now but it was very tough because I'm like, what where do I fit in where do I fit in in this life you know so um I was drinking heavily as well because I, I you know I never stopped if anything was going wrong in my life I didn't stop to try and uh sort of really tackle it properly you know i would just say honest i'm just gonna go i mean i spent a lot of time in in the local pubs or the local bars because that's where you pick up your work that's like that was like my office if you like you know there was this one bar where everybody used to hang out where all the builders used to go you know and so you get chatting to all the site managers and say hey you got any work you know and so you (laughs) you just end up spending your wages and stuff so so yeah so life was just really very you know two-dimensional as well whereas now it's a lot more three-dimensional you know I now I've realized this creative um energy that I've got within me and 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 so it's it's great you know to sort of feel that and and also to uh, to you know obviously things do still go wrong in my life of course you know but I but I tackle them in a different way you know I don't actually drink anymore and and also I just kind of like I, I realise that, that you know that we need adversity. Adversity is there, but we need to stop and embrace it, and 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 um, you know, don't try and sort of screw it up in a ball and throw it to one side. The
0: power of uh, suffering—it's yeah. very yeah. powerful. So, no more visits to the pub.
1: No more visits. Well, no, <laughs> I did from time to time, but I don't drink any alcohol. I just, I just kind of, yeah, I just decided that was that wasn't doing me any good. So. <laughs> that's
0: probably not 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 a bad thing so let's talk about the gifts that you these incredible gifts that you've returned with or have now and still have your painting and the music composing which is beautiful
1: mm, thank you very much yeah um well the, the paintings um I, as I said I, I was got this idea I wanted to do this one one painting and and so that was what I set I had to do and it all came about where um, my aunt was visiting from Canada and she bought me a canvas, which is great. So I've got that leaning against the wall. I was recovering at my sister's house in Cambridgeshire and my sister got some friends who run like a yoga Pilates centre and they dropped by one day. And uh, and I remember Jane, who runs the place, said, oh, how's that painting coming on? Have you started it yet? And I was going, no, no, I was, uh, I was putting it off because I was scared that I wasn't going to be able to do it. you know. And then she said, look, we've got a studio space going for a week um we're we're cleaning and so you can use it so i said okay so i went down there and started it and when i started it wow you know the ideas just started going onto that canvas and it was coming together straight away and i thought this is amazing this is looking brilliant this is looking just how i remembered it and it was just starting to form into into in my mind a beautiful painting and And I got to the end of the week and I was nowhere near finished it. And Jane and Richard said, Look, you know, you can stay, just carry on more work around you, you know. I ended up staying there for two years, you know, (laughs) and they didn't charge me a penny, which is amazing, you know, because synchronicity is how things
0: sort of intertwine and interweave
1: yeah exactly that 's it you know because um you know they they enjoyed having me there, and people used to come in who were coming into classes you know they'd, and they 'd come up and see what I was painting and so I think Jane and Richard enjoyed that as well it, you know it was a different sort of element to the whole place and uh, so yeah, that was lovely i was I was referred to as the, the, the artist in the attic you know
0: artist in residence
1: artist in residence <laughs> that 's it yeah so 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 yeah so um i I ended up producing. Yeah, I, I became really prolific. So I was doing lots of paintings. So I was, I, I kept on continuing to paint. You know, my feelings and uh, about what I'd seen in the afterlife and stuff. So, so the, that's happened with the paintings. And um, but the next thing that came along was the music. Yeah, um, it was interesting because I'd started going to spiritual healing. I'd found a spiritualist church where I was staying, and uh, I'd walked through the door one day and I I, was, I sat through uh, one of the services and at the end. Um, somebody came up to me and said look we don't normally say this to people uh, but we do spiritual healing on Thursday evenings you look like you could do it because I was pretty banged up at that point with all sorts of stuff holding me together you know and uh, so I went along and I had some spiritual healing and I, I continued to go and and um I found out as time went on that some of the healers were clairvoyants and they would give like just very short messages at the end that they would say, uh, oh, I was picking up this and that and the other. Then they started to say one after another. Well, there was one in particular, um, a lady called Joy, and she said, that, I'm picking up um, a violin laid across your chest. Can you take that? I was going, no idea whatsoever. And then another would say, I'm picking up Wagner and, and Beethoven and, and stuff. I was going, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so then one of them turned and said, "Right, they're telling me that you're going to write a piece of music about your experience." I went, "Oh, great!" So I figured it was just going to be like a you know like a three minute pop song or something like that because that's all I knew of. You know, uh, I couldn't play guitar anymore because my arm had been bashed up so badly. So I just got this old synthesizer out the cupboard, and I I was messing around one one evening, and this song was not coming at all. And then this little chord structure came through and I thought oh, I like that, that's really nice so I recorded it on a cassette player that's all I got and at that point and I, and that was it and I thought I like this, and I, I developed it and it started to sound, I thought this sounds like it could be performed by an orchestra you know, and again I got this sense of like nothing was going to stop me and I got disliked with the paintings, I thought right, that's what i need to do so I'd befriended a, a cello player who was one of the uh, people who used to come up and see my paintings and uh, we met for coffee one day and she said, oh, what have you been up to? So I told her about this piece of music I was developing and she laughed and said, oh, maybe we should we could perform it one day with our orchestra. I thought, ah, that would be good. <laughs> so from I stuck to that word and I thought, right, I'm going to develop it up and get it to a stage where I'm going to present it to them and see what they say. So I did. Now, my brother, um, he was down in London and he said to me, look, I've got this... Um, this software package that you can attach to your laptop or whatever, you know, and when you play on your synthesizer, it will transpose those, what those notes into notation. Cause I can't read or write music even to this day. Um, so that's what I did. And then I got it all printed off the score and I met for coffee with my friend and, and, uh, and a couple of guys from the orchestra and they looked at it and they mused over it and they went, mm, you know. and they said, yeah, we'll do it. So they said, we're going to, Perform it. So it was amazing. So um that was that again. Uh, uh, what I, I should talk about is is that all this stuff, all these paintings and the music. I realised right from pretty much from the very start that it wasn't just me doing all this work. That I was actually channeling ideas through. They were coming from another source. You know, I felt like the energy was just coming right through me, and and they were helping me to create. Um, and still do you know when when something comes together and I think wow (laughs) I'm a fan of my own music a lot of the time and because I know that it's not just me and I'll turn around and go thank you so much you know, (laughs) because it's um... (laughs) well it's true it's just it's just so it's uh, I'm very humbled to, to have all this all these ideas coming through so um anyhow with the music, something really beautiful happened then because um, I well, I, they said to me, would you mind saying a few words to the local press? We normally do that if, some, if we get a composer to write for us. And I said, yeah, sure. So I spoke to the local press and they remembered me from the accidents and they said, oh, this is a great story. So they put it on the front page of their, their paper. So from then on, the phone didn't stop ringing and I was doing more and more interviews. And then the BBC said, we want to come in and uh, interview you at, at the rehearsal. So they turned up the night before the concert, and uh, not the night, sorry, the, a couple of weeks before the concert. And uh, and after that, the, the, the concert sold out. And so it sold out two weeks in advance, in fact, so straight after that news footage. So that was brilliant. But I knew, even with that, that I, they were helping me. I was being, not just given creative um, channeling i was they were helping me to make this concert come together and for people to come and see it so it was a beautiful beautiful event because my, my family and i were given like front row seats which is great and we just sat there and i just yeah part of me was was uh was nervous you know but not that much a huge part of me was just really enjoying it. And I just felt like, wow, I was going through the whole journey because the whole piece is all about my near death experience. And so there's three movements to it and it, and I wanted it to take you on a journey right the way through. And I felt like it did, you know, and then when it finished, uh, there was a standing ovation and there was just like an amazing response. It was, it was just beautiful. So it's interesting because I didn't suddenly feel, yes, of course it was as part of me felt like really proud, but, more than that I thought wow this is great people are getting to really experience what I've experienced through my music so uh, yeah <laughs> so it was a brilliant night. That's beautiful
0: and I just want to go back to the ND because I know I get a lot of questions on this what ha- what happens when, when we die? What happens
1: um,
0: if we don't return to the physical plane?
1: Ah uh, yeah okay I mean while I was there, when I was on that side, um, I felt like I was being prepared for something throughout, and I felt that this wasn't just like it, it felt like almost like a departure land, if you like, you know. And and that was the next, that was the very first stage that we go to, um, and what's beyond that, obviously, I didn't I didn't experience, so I don't know. But I, I, what I do know is that, um, is that it's basically it's just the soul that existence that is there because that's exactly what I felt all the feelings of, of guilt and shame and, and worthlessness that I felt throughout all those years uh, were no longer with me and uh, everything had gone. There was no sense of that or guilt, you know, you know, I was carried around so much guilt and everything, all those are gone and I realized it, that it was just my pure soul, the essence of my soul, all the layers had just been just pulled off me and, and dispersed. So when we do die, it's, we we leave all that behind. We leave whatever, you know, we leave anger and everything, all those negative energies behind, and it's just the pure soul that exists on the other side. Um, but what where it goes from from there on, I'm not really sure. But it's it's, it's I, I I believe that that we all ultimately will experience that beauty as well even even if we've made mistakes in our lives because I've since learned of other people who've had near-death experiences and I've read of others and I've read of people who've who've not been too good to others throughout their whole life and and uh, you know and they get, go through a life review and in that life review they 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 go through they they're shown the people that they've been cruel to, and they experience what that other person was feeling. And so once they bring through that life review, then they move on to the to the beautiful realm and and and, and you know the, and tranquility that's there. So I think it's good. I think it's good news for us all. I don't you know. I don't think we we say okay, you're going downstairs. <laughs> I do believe that you know yes, we all I often ultimately hear that, that you
0: you do have a life for you, but it's not a judgment as such. It's it's just experiencing how you treated others.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So should people be afraid of death?
1: No, not at all. People should not be afraid of death because um, you don't go through it as soon as I was there, I felt calm and relaxed and, and, and it's, and it's a beautiful transition. It's not, and, and, and what I felt and experienced there was just, so uh, I've never felt anything so, so comforting and, and not just comforting. It's, it's more than that. I just felt whole, uh, and and completely the best i'd ever felt throughout my whole life so there's nothing to fear you know we, we've just got to remember i mean we don't talk about death at all we, we don't in western civilization it's just really odd that we don't i'm not saying that we should be chatting about it over our morning coffee each day but we should well, we at least embrace it <laughs> that could be fun but uh, but it's just that that um uh, we should we're all it's it's gonna come to us all all of us you know we're all gonna face it at some point so i don't see why we don't we don't kind of make some kind of provision for it you know we do with everything else in life you know whether it's taking a driving test or getting married and or even birth you know we 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 prepare for all those things so we may as well just take some time out to actually think about what's there because once I've met a lot of people since who fear death you know and, and so they want to talk to me about it, which is great. I want people who are, who are scared to chat with me um, and, and hopefully I've helped them to sort of like rationalize that, that it's not something to fear. it, it really isn't yeah. it's, it's, it's like basically it's yes okay, you know the body the body dies and the body switches off. And, and then starts to, to decay. But the soul doesn't, you know, the soul is such a powerful thing, and our souls are so strong that there's no way that they just suddenly switch off like a light, you know. it's uh, It continues on, it really does.
0: So there's the possibility that we have more than one life as a soul being.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. As yeah. in
0: reincarnation, I'm, I'm, there's many words yeah, for
1: yeah. it. Yeah, I, yeah, I. I Believe that be that must be the case because I, I, I wouldn't have thought for one minute that all the souls are just going to go up into one place and they're all going to be because there's been so many millions and millions of souls that have just passed on that, that you know that I can't believe that they just stay in that that one space that yeah they move on and and I mean I I, I also believe that some souls um stay very close to their loved ones you know and you know my mother passed last year and I, and I feel her presence very strongly around me and I, and I know she's there and that's not just me being like emotional and sort of thinking, Oh, that's my mom. I, I, I just know it, you know? And, and so, so I believe that certain loved ones um, decide to sort of stay very close to the earth still and very close to their loved ones to watch over them.
0: Mm. Well, some people call it soul family as well.
1: Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's lovely. So uh, you, you, you touched on, the oh, I said the power of suffering, but you touched on pain and trauma that we go through as, as an expansive growth. Why do we, in your opinion, well, this show is about you today, why do we come back to earth, people? I often hear people saying, if there's so much suffering in the world, why would we choose to come here?
1: Um, well, because, I mean, that's, that's just that's all part of the tapestry really, you know, it's, um, I mean, what I realize now is, is that, you know, that adversity is there and, and it can't be avoided and, and, you know, people turn around and say, Oh, well, if there's a God, how can all these things happen and stuff like that? But that's, it's just all part of the mechanics of life. If, if life was completely linear, uh, would it would just be so, uneventful and and things just wouldn't progress you know it's just um you know it's not only that I just I just think that now I realize that you know when things happen you know in my life that that, that go wrong I I know that adversity actually causes you to go deeper within yourself and I think and that is a good thing that to go deep within yourself and to sort of like um to basically uh, understand and learn even more about the, you know, the mechanics of your, of your being and, and, and how you work. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I, ten, I tend, not to, not to, I, I realize one thing since my near death experience is that, is that we, uh, as a society, most societies, we, if things go wrong, you know, especially with the media, there's this real, <clears throat> excuse me, there's this real kind of a knee-jerk response to things, you know, there's this kind of like, this has happened. Oh my God, you know, the whole world's gone terrible. This is awful and stuff like that. There's no sort of like, well, you know, let's just try and process this through and just like, you know, it's not that bad. Hang on a sec, you know, <laughs> hold on. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, that probably
0: goes back to what you said before about how, since you're NDE, how you don't react to things as much anymore. You react in a yeah. different way, in a calmer, more collected manner.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's... Um, um, I mean, most people will say when they've had NDEs, you know, that we don't come back, like, we're not claiming to be superhuman or anything like that. None of us are, you know, we're just, you know, we all go through, um, you know, hardship and... Uh, we're all human and we all, we all And a lot of the emotions that, that I carried around before are still there within me. You know, I still, I mean, I, I suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder following my accident, and that didn't actually hit me till about six months on because I was feeling so euphoric with everything that happened from the NDE that I just felt, wow, I'm cured. I'm I'm fixed. You know, this is great. This David is fixed and that's it. But that wasn't to be, that wasn't because obviously I'm, I'm, you know, I'm living in, in my, my my physical body and, and my physical body and my, and my emotions are still the same. And so, yeah, so it, hit me but interestingly enough i think the reason that it hit me was because um i once i was well enough to, to start going out into society uh i then had to face uh, going through um a lot of legal stuff of uh, what had happened in the accident because obviously that had to be dealt with and and it was at that point that i realized that it, i was very uh, sensitive And and not ready to face the kind of like, almost like the hard ignorance of the world that was there, you know, so I wasn't equipped for that. So that kind of like brought me down. And I was quite shocked. I thought, wow, what's happened? I thought I was okay, you know, but then I suddenly realized that, yeah, there's a lot of hardship out there. And there's a lot of, I mean, it's basically, it's basically other humans (laughs) that cause know a lot of pain to to to, you know we're really bad to each other we really rip each other apart (laughs) and and (laughs) and often we're bad to ourselves as well often we're bad to ourselves yeah well i was you know you know throughout my whole life i was beating myself up terribly beforehand but um yeah um so um as i say yeah we don't come back superhuman but but we just come back with an awful lot of um spiritual guidance but we we can all tap into that as well i don't believe that we that you you have to have a a dramatic accident like mine or a near-death experience in fact to be able to sort of um be in touch with your guides and to sort of um sort of ask for their help and ask for them to sort of give you energies and try and help you to create or whatever your quest may be in life so yeah
0: and you have touched on this. What is, I mean, what is your key message? Because obviously I think one of the most important things aside from your incredible gifts that you have is to um, be of service or to give back to the others. So what what is the main message that you came back with f- from your experience or your continued experiences for others? Um,
1: one of the main ones was um, was to... When I was there, I was, uh, in the near-death experience, as I say, it was just in, in the purest form of my soul, and and time didn't exist either. There was no sense of I didn't worry about the past. All the past had gone. I didn't didn't care about it anymore. It didn't didn't worry me, and I wasn't concerned about the future. I wasn't worried about where where's my life going to go next. I was just in the moment, and so that's one of the main things that I I brought back with me that. I feel that we we all could sort of, um, you know, sort of take a bit of that, you know, that it's really important to try and stop and be in the moment because again, going back to that knee jerk response, you know, the media and stuff like that, there's, there's no, I just feel that we can all stop. And if we live in the moment, and forget about the past. The past doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. And actually the future doesn't exist either because we don't know what's ahead of us. You know, we live in fear. We're just thinking, oh my goodness. Like with the coronavirus, when that happened, you know, there was this an initial sense of panic, you know, people like stripping the supermarket shelves the toilet rolls and stuff <laughs> like that. And it was just like, there was a great example of knee-jerk response, you know, whereas if people had just stopped and just be in the moment and just think, okay, this is what's happening now. It's not that bad. We're still alive. We've still got our homes. We've still got a roof over our head. We've still actually got food and we've still got our cars that we can drive around. And, you know, it's not that bad. And there's no need to strip those supermarket shelves. And I'm talking like in a, in a sense of... Um, I didn't do that at all. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, I'm always great. But I, I just didn't. I just thought, stop, stop panicking, you know. We're not going to suddenly run out of all these supplies. Um, so, yeah. So basically that's what I'm trying to say is, is just be in the moment and, and, and it's, and it sounds like a hard thing to do, but it's not, there's a good, I suppose. And I heard a, a good analogy of it the other day. And that is, that, um, it's like, if you're rushing somewhere, you've got an appointment to get to and you're in your car and you get to the traffic lights and the, tri- the lights turn red. You, the, the immediate response is no, no, no. I've got to get to my meeting. You know, turn green. Come on, come on, come on. And, uh, I just think that if you put yourself in that scenario and just say, well, those traffic lights, aren't going to change anyhow, just because you're saying, come on, come on, come on. So just stop and look around you and just kind of think, wow, those trees are really beautiful over there, aren't they? I've never seen those trees before or look at that lovely sort of, you know, sort of blossom that's growing or absorb nature just because you've got that moment to do it. And when the lights turn green, you'll pull off and you'll feel in a much better place and you'll still get to that meeting at exactly the same time as if you've been frantically sort of panicking. And so it's, it's, yeah. So I just believe that living in the moment is, is really important because the actual moment itself is, is the real it's, it's, it's the reality. It's, it's the here and now, and it's actually better than, than the, Beating ourselves up over what's happened in the past, or worrying about what's going to happen in the future.
0: A beautiful message. I completely agree. It's, it's so important. We, we, it's very hard in our humanness, right? But we, it's a very, very important message. And you just gave a great tool how to do it, like looking at nature or just just being, because it's not going to make a difference. You will get to that meeting on time, and perhaps, and most, more than likely, a lot happier.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah.
0: So, David, I'd love to have a look at your book. Do you have it there to hold up?
1: I have. Yeah. So, a big congratulations on the book. Thank you very much. There it is. So that's Shine On. So that's um, that's my book that's that's just come out. So um, it's out on Amazon. Um, It's it's uh, well, actually, it's it's been a it it went straight to um, a number one bestseller both in the UK and the US Amazon. Um, you
0: really deserve in it in
1: terms of sales, which is great. I, I was really excited. I couldn't believe it. It was just so amazing. It was just so exciting that that so many people were wanted to go out and buy it. So so that's pretty brilliant. And uh, it's got a a forward by um, Dr. Raymond Moody, um, who actually Wonderful, coined the. Yeah, a beautiful man he is. It's incredible. So uh, so that was a lovely story that came about because um, it was. Basically what happened, but after the very first painting I did, I'd I'd finished it and I'd started to look into uh, NDE's online to find out more about them. And I just, I'd never heard of Dr. Roman Moody at that point, but uh, I just saw his name. So I sent off my painting in an email to him and he got back pretty quick saying, this is great, really great painting, you know? And uh, so I figured that was it. And so when um, um, I was writing the book, when I, completed the manuscript i was sending out to people and i thought why don't i send one to him so i did do and i didn't hear back quite so quick this time but it was about six months later or, or whatever or less than that actually no but and it was a few months on anyway that his manager got back and said i've just opened raymond's email and just seen your website it looks amazing and your story is fantastic um i know that raymond's gonna love reading this so can you please send the manuscript again so i did and he did read it so his manager got back and said, oh, yeah, Raymond loves it. And uh, he said that he's going to uh, write an acknowledgement for you for when it comes out. I said, that would be brilliant. you know. So I was really excited about that. And then later that afternoon, I got another email. And it was just like uh, a couple of lines saying, actually, it's looking like uh, Raymond might be uh, doing the forward for it. I was like, what? So, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> so a, he's a beautiful soul. He's an amazing man. And he coined the phrase near death experience, which I didn't realize as well. So, Cause he's been doing research right back since the sixties, you know, he's done. Yeah. So, so that was, that was, that was pretty wonderful. So again, a bit like going back to the concert, I was being helped because I hadn't got a publishing deal at that stage, but it was, you know, it, it, people were starting to pick up on it because of the energy that, that, that Raymond Moody had, had come in on, on it and stuff. And, uh, which started then, with
0: you, by the way, you started the ball rolling.
1: <laughs> well yeah i guess so but uh, again so sort of my guides were helping me along you know they were just you know just saying you know i mean that's another thing that i realize is is not to sort of um uh, push things too hard you know don't let things come to you you know just be be your authentic self which i try to re- retain throughout with all my creativity and 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 don't keep banging on all the doors saying hey yeah hey, listen to me you know and and things will come to you and they did do because um they came in the form of a publisher who, who'd um uh, who'd heard about me and and I'd read the manuscript and said look you know do you mind if i take this to the rest of the guys in in the team i was going please do you know <laughs> so that happened really quick and uh, so 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 this was o books uh, through john hunt publishing so which are a uk publisher and so that was great because um at that stage, I figured everyone was saying, oh, you're probably only going to get a US um, uh, behind you because a lot of people in the US talk about NDEs more than they do in the UK. But what's been lovely is since I've been doing interviews, that there's been a lot of people come forward and there's been a lot, I'm seeing a lot more interest now in the UK, which is, which is lovely. So, um, yeah. wonderful. So wonderful. It.
0: Well I've asked you all the questions now. is there anything else you'd I mean we've covered so much, but is there anything else you'd like to talk to the passion harvest audience about
1: um, um I don't know really i mean I, I i guess please please i mean please go to my website and uh, uh, if you if you've enjoyed listening to what I've had to say because um you can look at my paintings on there um you can and you can stream my music for free. The, the first three the movements of the first piece that I talked about, the divine Light, which is about my near death experience is on there. So you can, you can just listen to them and I'm not charging anyone for that. So please go and have a listen and, and have a look at the paintings. And, you know, if you want to follow me through my social media, you know, that all the links are on there as well. And, and it's and, great. I mean, I,
0: no, no, no. Oh, I was going to say, as I always do, all your details will definitely be in the show notes for everyone just to click Brilliant.
1: on yeah oh that's great it's it's great come
0: on (laughs) oh no 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 i just was gonna ask my final question if someone's wanting to live their passions or looking to find their passions what is your advice david
1: right um my advice is to is to be brave you know and be brave and just you know get rid of this I mean, we all go through school and stuff like that where we're told we can't do this, we can't do that, you know, because they're trying to lead us down one pathway. Um, but be brave and say, do you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to... doesn't have to be a painting. It doesn't have to be a piece of music. Whatever your passion is that you feel that you've never done, just give it a go. And um, also just just be authentic. Just be yourself, you know. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to sort of... Um, aspire to something that you want to be that, that doesn't belong to you because that will never happen it just won't come if, you, if you're authentic to yourself then you'll find that synchronicity will happen and things will start doors will slowly open in front of you so that's what that's what I would say be authentic
0: what a beautiful message I, I loved it I loved it um, uh, thank you David Ditchfield thank you so much for being coming back to Passion Harvest I guess you had a good time the first time so <laughs> Absolutely, Thank you so yeah, much. It's been a pleasure. Fun. I've loved yeah. it. You're so sweet and, and so authentic and so humble. So it's really been a pleasure.
1: My pleasure too. Thanks th- for th- <laughs>
0: Thanks, David. <laughs> Bye. Bye now. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, Every day, may you be more and
1: more passionate.